we were thinking of the prophets earlier in lighting the candle. This is the, a reading from the 11th chapter of the book of Isaiah. It's on page 697 in the church Bibles if you want to follow it, but it's, uh, as you can see, is on the screen as well. Jesus is the branch, the shoot from the stump of Jesse. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash round his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover that sea. And in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner to the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. And this praise his name is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Tim. Lovely to see you all here. Well, you know I go in search of jokes. Tim told it, yes, as a groan goes around the room. Well, oops, to mark the fact that a new series of Sherlock is starting on New Year's Day, put that in your diary, I thought I'd begin with a joke about Holmes and Watson. Okay, so Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson went into the wilds on a camping trip, and after a good meal, they lay down for the night and they went off to sleep. Some hours later, Holmes awoke and nudged his faithful companion. And Holmes said, Watson, look up and tell me what you see. Watson replied, well, I see a fantastic panorama of countless stars. Holmes, well, what does that tell you then? And Watson pondered for a moment. Well, astronomically, it tells me there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful and that we are small and insignificant. Meteorologically, 
I suspect that we're going to have a beautiful day. Why? said Watson. What does it tell you, Holmes? Holmes was quiet for a moment and then he said, Well, I see that someone's stolen our tent. <laughs> you kept with it, that's good. Well done. Well, today's reading from the Bible that John read for us is part of Isaiah's prophetic words to God's people. And the setting for the picture that he paints is similar to that setting of that joke. It's in the wilderness. It's out in the wilds in a barren wasteland that is crying out, though, for something to change. Now, it might help you to have a Bible in front of you today. Don't worry if it doesn't help you, but it might do. You can... Uh, find a Bible in the, in the shelf in front of you or, or behind you if you're on the front row. And it's page 697. And hopefully, going to unpack something of the meaning and the significance of this passage together. 697. And as we do explore this, I encourage you and me to hold open before God the parts of our lives and the parts of our world that are like a wasteland crying out for change or a barren place desperate for new life. I encourage you to hold those in your mind, hold those in your heart, hold them open before God as we explore this together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that the promise of your hope will grow in these barren places, these wastelands that we hold open before you now, that are a part of our lives and this world. May your hope grow. May it sprout and flourish and bring in your purposes. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, as a, a teenager, I was a member of the Scouts back in the 1980s. I know it's hard to, to uh, imagine that, but uh, anyway, I was. And, um, and when, the dark, when the dark nights came in the autumn time, the Scout leader would say, right, boys, we're going to go and play a game. And we, we went and played this game in the local country park, which is a huge country park, and it bordered the Staffordshire Moorlands. So it was really quite bleak at night, and it was quite secluded. And we go and play this game called Foxes and Hounds. I don't know if you've ever played that game, but it was great fun. So half the pack would be the foxes, and they would be given a head start, and they would go and disperse in the country park. And then 10 or 15 minutes later... It's, it felt like a minute later, the hounds would hotly pursue us and they would try and catch up with us. Now, you imagine with all the health and safety and the risk assessing, it would never happen these days, or certainly not in the same way. And one of the scout leaders would already have gone ahead of us and would be positioned centrally in the park. And then after a while, they would repeatedly send up a firework rocket to show the place in the park that we were supposed to make our way to. The place of safety, where we would go from our enemies 
and we would make it our gathering point. And that was the whole aim of this game. Make it to the scout leader. Make it there safely. So the, throughout the evening we made our way there. We were running from our enemies to this place. It was great fun and I loved playing it. Loved playing it so much that every Friday evening you can see us as a family playing this on Lith Hill. Kate, myself and the children. No, we can't. You can't. I liked it back then. We don't play it anymore, unfortunately. I've tried, but they won't do it. Well, the image that Isaiah gives us is not too dissimilar to the firework that my scout leader used to send up for our scout pack in that country park. It's of a green shoot, a green shoot of hope in the wilderness. A banner that you'll see in verse 10, marking a place of security and safety that the people will stream to. So people will run from their enemies to this place of safety. Now Isaiah's words were spoken to Israel, God's people, at a time when they were experiencing incredible hardship and oppression. Isaiah lived in a troubled time. 300 years previously, King David had ruled over Israel in a golden age, a golden era. But since then, destructive forces had literally chipped away at all that this golden age had managed to build up. Assyria, firstly, put its policy of expansion into operation, which over time resulted in Israel or parts of Israel initially falling. And then other forces came into play and eventually a few thousand citizens were taken into exile by the Babylonians. It was a remnant of God's people. And into this wasteland of what had once been, Isaiah speaks great words of hope. A green shoot in the wasteland of oppression and destruction will signal deliverance. This place of security and hope for God's people. The forest of Israel's pride, if you can picture that in your mind's eye, the forest of Israel's pride is nothing but a field of stumps. But from one of these stumps, the smallest of shoots will sprout. From that vulnerable shoot will come the rescue plan for God's people, for all people. Now interestingly, the name Jesse hints at the promised ruler coming from humble beginnings. You may know that Jesse was the father of King David. And Jesse was a farmer and a sheep breeder in Bethlehem. In November, I read an article in the media uh, about a managing director of a global law firm that was based in Johannesburg. And the guy, the leader of this company, was Rob Otty. Despite facing significant economic challenges, both in South Africa and globally, this law firm had become one of the biggest in the world. Now, what sets Rob apart? Well, one of the journalists said this. It was his incredible humility. And Rob himself said this about his background. My parents were humble and the importance of that has stuck with me. Now that's just the start of his story. But the journalist went on to write something quite interesting. It never ceases to amaze me how influential a leader's upbringing is throughout his life. Now this is true of Jesus. We know that with hindsight. And Isaiah was catching on to the gist of this years 
and years before his birth. The Messiah, Isaiah tells his people, will not come from the pomp and glory of the royal house. Instead, he will create a new kind of royal house from an ordinary peasant family. And as we approach Christmas again, we're reminded of the fulfillment of this promise in Jesus as he is born, as Jesse surely was, amongst livestock into an ordinary family. Now, from the perspective of promoting the coming Messiah, surely Isaiah would have been better associating Jesus with that golden age, with King David, and all that he'd managed to build up. Now, that's what we'd do these days. We would associate somebody we were trying to promote with fame and wealth and glory. It's just a natural instinct that we have as human beings. But Isaiah, instead, plays on the humility of Jesus coming from the stump of Jesse, the remnant of Jesse. This is the king on whom we build or hang all our hopes. We follow a humble king. Awesome power and wealth will not mark him out. Instead, in verse 2, we see that it's the spirit of the Lord that will mark him out. It will rest on him. Everything about his leadership will demonstrate the supernatural power of God, but shown in total humility. How often do we watch and wait and cry out for a crushingly powerful, dominating Messiah seen in human eyes? We want Jesus to swagger into town like a superhero. We want him to send the bad guys packing. We want him to heap burning coals on the tops of the heads of all the people we don't like. And we want him to provide us with a parking space while he's at it. But this isn't the picture of the Messiah that Isaiah paints. He's a humble servant, turning our expectations, literally, on their head, upside down. Bringing in a new way of ruling, watching out for those who need his help most. You'll see that in verse 3. It's the needy and the poor who Jesus will come out looking uh, out for. He'll sprout like a green shoot in the most unlikely of places. Maybe today is a good day to lay down once and for all our unhelpful expectations of Jesus and look for him in the most unlikely of places, working in the most unexpected ways. Look for him working in the most unlikely of people, even the ones we really don't like. So if verse 2 speaks of the trait setting the Messiah apart, in verse 5 Isaiah tells us that the Messiah will be known by two essential qualities. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. So righteousness on the one hand and faithfulness on the other. He'll do what is right at all times and he'll be utterly dependable and true. Here Isaiah is painting a picture of the Messiah who will combine these two essential qualities but as a human being. In fact, Jesus brings these qualities of God to us. Jesus embodies these qualities as he's born into the world. In what ways do you and I need to realize either for the first time or afresh that Jesus will do what is right and good and true in all circumstances, 
and at all times. In what ways do you and I need to be reminded that Jesus brings to us God's unshakable promise of hope? How are you and I losing sight of God's promise to be at work for good, to be supporting what is right in our lives and in the lives of those we love? And how is that promise of hope obscured by what's going on in your workplace or your family life or your marriage or a relationship in your family or in our town or in our country or in our society? Life or parts of life, let's be honest, can seem like a forest of stumps. Life that once was. Dreams, hopes, relationships. Where once there was so much growth and life, where trees stood tall, now there's a wasteland as far as the eye can see. Well, remember that from one of those stumps, a green shoot of hope will grow. A king will come into the wasteland of our lives, bringing the life-changing qualities of God. In this world, in this town, in our lives, in our hearts, God will speak the right words and he will do the right thing because he always, always, always keeps his promises. So we've seen the trait setting the Messiah apart and we've seen the qualities that will make him known. And then Isaiah moves on to paint a picture of what life will look like under the reign or the rule of this Messiah. And you can see this in verses 6 to 9. Ultimately, there will be security and there will be safety. The most vulnerable and helpless will live alongside the most feared. Enemies will eat and rest together. The Messiah heralds a new order, hope for a better way of living. The fears arising from insecurity, danger, evil, all those enemies that pursue us through life will be removed. They'll be swept away, not only for individuals, but for the whole world. Now, strikingly, the animals mentioned will be led by who? A little child. The one supposedly least able to tame their vicious instincts. That's who will lead them. This image always reminds me of the film Ice Age. Uh, we've watched them all uh, numerous times over the years with the children, mostly. And uh, we've, we've really enjoyed those films. But it, it reminds me of this image that Isaiah paints. Because animals that really should be enemies, should it be, live in fear of one another, are actually brought together and become friends because of a little child. Isaiah reminds us that the Messiah will go against all our expectations. A child, not a proud and strutting ruler, is the one that God chooses to send. It's vulnerability, it's simplicity and it's faith that will give rise to the salvation of the earth. This is the hope for us and all the world. In the weakness, in the vulnerability, or even helplessness of life situations. The purposes of Jesus will flourish. So take heart, Christchurch Basin Hill. Take heart, people of the Philippines or Syria. Take heart, those staggering through tragedy, difficulty or darkness. God has sent his promised king to lead us in and through all this. This is a promise 
for all people. Isaiah tells us that through all that he will achieve, the promised king, the Messiah, will be a banner to call the nations home. Just look at verse 10. The people will come literally streaming to God because they'll see the difference that Jesus makes to life. Through Jesus, we'll come to God. We'll find our way into his presence. We'll make our home with him. But of course, we have a part to play in all of this. How will people know the difference Jesus makes to life if we don't tell them? If we don't point Jesus out to them? We don't show them who he is and what he's like. How will they know that Jesus is this banner of safety and security if we don't make Jesus that place for ourselves? If we don't stream to that place and help other people to do that. A crowd draws a crowd, so they say. And it's interesting that Isaiah includes such an active response from the people. So how focused are we then on seeing Jesus as our banner of hope and security? How committed are we to journey to him and enable others to do the same? This Christmas, we have a wonderful opportunity again to seek Jesus out as our banner of safety. We can also encourage other people to stream to him. We can bring people along to our Christmas services and events. You know, they're not just for us, lovely as that may be. We get so wrapped up in our own experience of Christmas. They're for everybody. And we can invite people along. We can bring people along. We can help them to know that Jesus is the banner of safety and security in the wasteland of their lives too. So to finish, where things are barren or difficult or unproductive or just plain messy in this world and in our lives, be encouraged to trust that the green shoot of God's hope will grow if it's not growing already. Jesus will come, but as a, a humble servant, bringing with him God's promising commitment to always do what is right, even if that's in the most unlikely ways, in the most unlikely situations, and using the most unlikely people. Amen.